Republican battle Congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates was one of the very few members in the entire Congress who bothered to stand up against permanent Washington on behalf of his constituents. Matt Gates right now, he's a problem for the Democratic Party, and he can cause a lot of hiccups in passing of laws. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him. If you stand for the flag and kneel in prayer, if you want to build America up and not burn her to the ground, then welcome, my fellow patriots. You are in the right place. This is the movement for you. You ever watch this guy on television? It's like a machine. Matt Gates. I'm a canceled man in some corners of the internet. Many days I'm a marked man in Congress, a wanted man by the deep state. They aren't really coming for me. They're coming for you. I'm just in the way. Marjorie Taylor Greene, this woman, Klan mom, is especially upset <laughs> with the three Republican senators who said they'll vote yes on Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, who's nominated for the Supreme Court. She tweeted, Murkowski, Collins, and Romney are pro-pedophile. They just voted for KBJ. Wow, where is Will Smith when you really need him, huh? <laughs> I mean, besides that being disgusting. Jimmy Kimmel is a total jerk. And it seems that his trend is to attack women, which is particularly troubling. You know what? If a conservative-leaning comedian or commentator said that about a member of the squad, about someone on the political left, well, then certainly there would be mass outrage, cancellations, contracts in violation. But because it's a Republican woman, because it's one of the women actually leading our country and providing vision for our party and our movement and inspiring people. I've seen it with my own eyes. From the Atlantic coast all the way to the state of California, she draws particular ire. And Jimmy Kimmel also attacks Lauren Boebert all the time. So there seemed to be some reason why the women who actually step forward and lead in our movement and in our party uh, get, get particularly nasty and, and violent comments from Hollywood. See, what Jimmy Kimmel knows is when he gaslights violence against my colleague Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's going to mean more death threats. That's going to mean her town hall meetings are less safe and secure because people are going to think it's cool and acceptable and allowable to talk like that about a woman. And I reject it, and I believe that every member of Congress, every member of Hollywood, every member of society should do the same. I'm joined today live in our congressional office. Uh, we are streaming right now on Facebook, Instagram, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, Getter. We're glad you're with us. I'm especially glad that my colleague Marjorie Taylor Greene is here. Uh, Marjorie, you are not taking this lightly. You see this for what it is. Not a funny joke, but as an effort to try to do harm to you and your family and your constituents. How have you responded? Absolutely. Uh, that Well, first, I was shocked. I, I'm amazed that that uh, Jimmy Kimmel thinks that it's okay uh, to use his platform on ABC News and on his show to call for violence against me, call for a man to hit a woman, because that's what he called for. And he's trying to say, oh, it was just a joke. I'm sorry, that's not a joke. We have watched over the past few years now, especially during President Trump's presidency where the left uh, violently attacked Republicans. I, I can remember Sarah Huckabee Sanders being assaulted and attacked in restaurants when she was with her family. So your point is it does happen. Oh, it happens. People listen to this shit and then they go and do it. Yeah. And Jimmy, Jimmy knows it happens. And, totally. you know, 
and and so Matt, I'm really grateful for you um, as as in your character and and as a man that would stand up and defend me as a woman because we need to recognize that women are the the weaker sex and and men are stronger than us and we're seeing it in our women's sports. Uh, we're watching men dominate in women's sports like Leah Thomas and swimming. Um, but here's something uh, Jimmy Kimmel should understand as I did report it to the Capitol Police because I'm taking that call of violence and that threat against my my uh, safety very seriously um, and also for my family because we can't we can't um, ex- we well what we can expect Matt is for the left to react to what he's calling for totally. and and they want they want it to happen but here's something I'd also uh, like for everyone to understand we aren't those kind of people and um, you know in my family if my husband had been there and had heard uh, Jimmy Kimmel or any other man, call for me to be smacked down by another man, and he's, he's apparently too weak to want to do it himself. Um, my husband, you know my husband, he would not have tolerated that, well, and he probably would have taken action against him, and rightfully so, because men should defend women. Which, by the way, is the whole reason I was Team Will Smith at the beginning. <laughs> I thought that Chris Rock's joke about Will Smith's wife was totally inappropriate because he was, he was making fun of an immutable trait. You know, you shouldn't make fun of people ever for something that they can't change uh, about themselves. So we all should be lighthearted. I don't think jokes should be canceled in society. Right. You know, but but here you had a circumstance where Will Smith, I thought, was defending his wife. And by the way, Jimmy Kimmel, not only would Marjorie Taylor Greene's husband make quick work of you, Marjorie Taylor Greene would make quick work of you. And if you don't believe that, you can go ask the Marines that did pull-ups with her at the Iowa State Fair. And uh, my guess is that Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel would not last too long if, uh, if, if he himself were interested in engaging in unprovoked, terrible violence uh, against, uh, against this congresswoman. Uh, we're not going to spend all our time on this because there is important work going on. Well, I would sure. like to Please. point out, though, as he's calling me such a nasty name as clan mom, which I find very insulting. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel is, is in the past worn blackface, which is something I've never done. Um, so that is, that is something to point out is what a racist and what a pig he is you well, know, himself. His, his critiques of particularly you and our colleague Lauren mm-hmm. Boebert exactly. are, are highly gendered critiques. Right, because he's oh, you're a clan mom, right? Mm-hmm. So like he's he's attacking you as a mom and as a woman, and then he he attacks Lauren Boebert and says, oh, she's a she looks like stepmom porn. Which see see awful. how he, see how he does that, you oh, know? Yeah. He, he's doing it to try to undermine you, not based on the views and positions you take, but based on your gender. You deserve right. to be hit. Boebert deserves to be overly sexualized. It's totally gross. And honestly, ABC, where are you at? I mean, you know, ABC would have canceled any conservative or any Republican for saying anything close to this. But because it's woke, it's okay. And the American people need to see it for what it is. Speaking of wokeness, you you have really been a stalwart in this Congress against socialism. Stop socialism has been a big theme of the political movement that that you lead. Uh, And we are seeing at the National Defense University an embrace of socialism. I want you to react. Let's put up on the screen Thomas Piketty comes in to the National Defense University and says that the way that we need to respond to China is to embrace global justice and democratic socialism. And he actually wrote the book, this book, Thomas Piketty, Time for Socialism. You know, 
as you sit here in the Congress and fight against socialism, what is your reaction to the fact that at the National Defense University, funded by American taxpayers, you have this person coming in to evangelize values we don't believe? Well, this is what we see every day. This is this is the enemy within, Matt. And any anyone in that type of position, uh, they should be fired. See, it's like a it's it's sort of like um, why compare China to kudzu. China has come in and they're like spies. They've moved into our country. They're buying our farmland. Uh, they're taking over our universities. They're bringing their businesses here. Um, they're they're involved. They're in our government. They're even in the PTA. They're in all of our groups all across our country. That's something that we know. And I'll explain this. I'll use an analogy. Kudzu. Kudzu is a a it's a vine that we yes, brought. For those of you not from an SEC state. Kudzu is a vine that will actually engulf you if you walk slowly through the American yeah, Southeast. it's true. And so they brought it over uh, to America, and they brought it to the South um, in the early 1900s. And they the idea was to plant it so that it would hold the soil and prevent erosion. But what kudzu does is it's a rapidly growing vine, and it climbs everything. It climbs trees. It devours trees. It kills the trees. If a car is sitting there long enough, it will grow over the car, grows over houses. I mean, we see this all over the South, right? So China is like kudzu. And here's the problem with kudzu. And I'm using this analogy with socialism as well. You can't just, you can't just kill kudzu with weed killer. You can't just cut the vine and it goes away. See, you have to literally rip it out at the root, Matt. You have to rip it out at the root and completely remove it from the soil to, to prevent it from growing and taking over. And that's what's happening in our country and these Marxist ideas and socialism, um, and, and it, it is it is seeping in. It's like it's like poison in our well, and it's like kudzu climbing all over our houses and cars and and our trees and, and suffocating the life out of our trees. And that's what's happening in our businesses, our schools, our culture w- with our young people. That this socialism and Marxism is like kudzu, and we have to rip it out at the root. If socialism is the kudzu, she's the roundup. We're live from the (laughs) Capitol Complex in my office. The live stream's going crazy. Abby Morgan, I admire, Rep MTG. uh, And uh, Jamie uh, Wise Martin making the point, you know, it was Castro who used this notion of social democracy, social democrat, Mm -hmm. uh, initially in some of his communication. And what we're seeing at the National Defense University, indicative of that. We're going to skip the full Austin clip, guys. What I want to do is I want to go to some of this gendered training um, uh, that we see required in the military. Now, I mean, outside your office, there is a sign that says there are two genders, Mm -hmm. and yet in our military, a military that in some ways uh, is not keeping pace with some of our adversaries, you know, they are doing mandatory training on pronouns, of all things. Hmm. Uh, and while, you know, Russia is out there using hypersonic weapon systems, as China is demonstrating global launch capability with hypersonics, our service members are forced to sit there and do gender identity training. Your reaction? I, I don't think that's going to help protect America very much. Like, we're being, we're about to be invaded at the southern border, and so uh, are our military, our border patrol, and, and people that will be encountering the drug dealers bringing deadly fentanyl across the border, the human smuggling, um, potentially terrorists, very likely yes. terrorists coming across our border because that's well, We what know they there do. are people coming across the border that are on the special interest list. That's not even a question. Yeah, and our president has no interest in stopping that, and, and the borders are is completely missing in action. So 
yeah, these these things are terrifying. So what are they going to do? Stop them at the southern border or where we're in engagement and actually military conflict? Are they going to say, ma'am, wait, sir, uh, what is your preferred pronouns before we, you know, go into this conflict? it's absurd. It's absurd. It's laughable. I think the world is laughing at us, Matt. And, and we fall behind as a consequence. What I, what I think people need to understand is that when these institutions that are supposed to be focused on critical things for the benefit of America instead, you know, embrace kind of this like social change ideology, it, it's not just the, the harm of the social change ideology, it's the harm of that distraction. We, we also see the way the left has used education to try to advance their values. And the military is starting to do the very same thing at West Point. You know, one of the things that really bothers me is the embrace of critical race theory at West Point. And when our colleague, Congressman Waltz, asked questions uh, of Secretary Austin and Mark Milley, they were pretty honest about the fact that they embraced that, that you know, General Milley was talking about how he wanted to understand his white rage. Uh, viewers, take a, take a listen and take a look. This was an episode we did, uh, a clip from it, on critical race theory at West Point. Take a listen. At West Point, lectures are presented by Dr. Carol Anderson on understanding whiteness and white rage. Since I nominate future military officers to West Point as part of my job in Congress, I wanted to know what Dr. Anderson thought about whiteness. She wrote that the Republican Party yearns for a white republic and that the Republican Party platform is white nationalism. This is the nonsense that General Milley is defending. Instead of Dr. Anderson, we should have instructors who can teach the next generation of commanding officers to win on the modern battlefield. Less CRT, more cyber. There you go. I mean, what, so well said. what do you think about our military service academies really starting to look more like the worst parts of our university system and not the best parts of our country? I think we're weakening America in every way. And what young person wants to go to these academies anymore where they know they're going to be forced to be vaccinated, whether they think they need it or not. Secondly, they're a going- A big in, issue, by the way. Huge issue. Big issue. I've had, um, you know, we do appoint, we, we appoint people to these academies. And just just six months ago, I had a young man that ended up leaving and he left because he refused to get vaccinated and they had treated him terribly for months. Oh, I, I had a very similar circumstance with one of the wonderful patriotic Americans I had the opportunity to nominate and our country is not stronger because they have driven these people away from military service. No, our we country are weaker. is weaker. We are weaker. We're in a, we're in bad shape. We, these are the, do you support when we get back in the majority passing legislation to restore these people and to give reparations to those who've been driven out of the military? Absolutely. They should be restored. They, they should have their, they should be rightfully restored. And we have to repeal this force vaccination for COVID-19 vaccines. Um, there, we need to investigate the VAERS system. I have a bill for that. We should investigate all of the reports, uh, deaths, myocarditis, miscarriages, permanent disabilities. All of these reports are on the VAERS system, and no one has investigated them. No, and you and I have talked about the need in a Republican majority to focus on oversight first. That is our mm -hmm. shared vision, and you've been doing a tremendous amount of 
oversight, whether it's been on the January 6th issue, the way uh, people have been unfairly treated following January 6th. But this is what the healthcare committee should be doing. The healthcare committee within energy and commerce should be focused on whistleblowers around this vaccine and what information we can get out in the public. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm not prejudging that information. No. But I think there is often a cover-up when you have big pharma involved. And I'm not saying that I have absolute certainty of that at this stage of the game, but we should be willing to ask those tough questions. Uh, Marjorie, uh, this week in the House Judiciary Committee, we had a uh, bill pass committee prepare for the floor to make the Black National Anthem our national hymn. And my belief is that we are one country. Absolutely. We pray, we, we, we pledge our allegiance to one flag. Yes, one flag. We sing one anthem. Right. I pray to one God. I get other people might not, but that's kind of my thing. Me too, one God. And, and the notion that we would like erode the meaning and significance of our national anthem with, with the black national anthem as the national hymn was crazy. Our, our friend and colleague, Dan Bishop of North Carolina, had some hilarious questioning around this in the House Judiciary Committee. Take a listen. Okay. So how, how is, the Nash, is, a, is, a, is the proposed national hymn to differ from, a Nash, from the national anthem? A hymn represents a song of joy and praise. An anthem, we already have a national anthem, uh, which celebrates the country. So, and, and has always been recognized as a hymn from the very start. Well, I, I, you say that, but I, even some of the materials from the committee staff say that, and, and Mr., uh, I believe Mr. Cohen mentioned it, uh, that this is, this, that Lift Every Voice and Sing is, is, is known colloquially as the black national anthem. When would it be appropriate for the hymn to be featured versus the anthem? They're often, they're often the way it's currently done is they're often played in tandem. I see. That's uh, more concerning. Uh, as, as at the Super Bowl, for example, was done. Yeah, I, I, I think I do hear that. Um, and I'm, I'm troubled that, that there would be the playing effectively of two national anthems. That's exactly what my concern is. Um, let, let me ask this. How many Americans, what percentage of Americans know and, uh, and or have affection for Lift Every Voice and Sing? Do we know that? It's a song that's been sung for 120 years. I have no idea the statistic. Let me just pose a hypothetical, and you maybe cover that as well. Let's say 20% of Americans know what that, what this co composition is. Does the fact that the other 80% of Americans don't even know this hymn um, cause any cause you any pause about whether we ought to declare it to be the national hymn? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I, if 80% if of Americans don't even know what this hymn is, never heard it before. Does that not cause you pause about the legitimacy or the appropriateness of declaring it? To well, I, I don't know if the gentleman yield. I yield for the answer to that question. I don't know where you get your statistic that 80% of Americans don't know uh, the hymn. I don't know that anyone has taken a poll, but it's been sung at many, many uh, 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 occasions at presidential inaugurations, at Super Bowls, uh, at, at, at Coachella's. Uh, I presume a very large number of Americans know the uh, uh, no, it. I, I, I have no statistic. I don't know that anybody's taking a poll. You know, I regret that in that moment, 
I did not demand that Jerry Nadler sing the Black National Anthem for us. Because my guess is that Jerry Nadler doesn't know. He doesn't the know. The words. He would need the sheet in front of him to be able to. His assistant, you know, would, have, his assistant would have hurried I and got have it right said, there. Jerry Nadler, if you could sing the Black National Anthem right now, I'll right. vote for it. Because I'm, I'm, that certainly could know it. This bill's coming to the floor, Marjorie. How are you voting? Well, I'll be voting no. We only have one national anthem. And I'm not a racist. I So I don't know why I need to why we need to elevate one race over the other. We're all one nation under God and that's the only anthem we have one flag and that's that is what's being anti-racist when we when we don't divide ourselves up into groups into races into identities ideologies uh you know genders or 50 genders or whatever there may be that's how we avoid those things by being one nation with one flag and one national anthem and if we were to have a national hymn what about amazing grace you know, what I mean, a song people know. You know, what I mean, absolutely. A, a hymn sort of implies a, an element that is not, uh, I don't know, maybe not fully reflected here. But uh, mm-hmm. I'll be voting no. I voted no in committee. Dan Bishop with the brilliant questions. That if they're going to designate this as the beloved hymn, we should probably know whether or not it's beloved. Yeah, and take a poll. I, I, I don't think. Most people have no idea what it is. Well, uh, we certainly know where we stand on it. We love our great country. We love, we love our great anthem. Got a lot of folks right now agreeing with us. One Nation Under God from uh, Abby Morgan. And, uh, you know, the uh, other question I'm getting a lot, We was I was supposed to be on Louder with Crowder today, which I was really, really looking forward mm-hmm. to. But Nancy Pelosi held us for a 15-minute vote for one hour. For one hour. So mm-hmm. uh, to those of you who uh, were looking forward to that interview, I'll definitely try to get back on that show. Uh, but we're here now. We're going to have major breaking news. We're so grateful for uh, Marjorie Taylor Green joining us. I know you've got to get out of here and go somewhere. But one of the reasons why Crowder wanted to have us on was my questioning of Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Uh, so we've been, so good. We've been talking about so some of those good. issues today. Uh, we're going to go to that clip in just a moment. So if you're watching now, you're going to get the full deal, not, not the abridged version. You're going to get the full five minutes. Every second of it is worthwhile. Then we're going to come back out of that clip, and I'm going to break some news. I'm going to tell you the follow-on action we are taking relative to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. And, hey, even – Sleepy Joe gave me a shout out yesterday. Apparently, my questioning of Austin was so good. Uh, there was a Biden reaction. I'll be responding to that in a moment. Thanks so much, Marjorie, for joining us. Thank Thanks you, for Matt. being such a great fighter. And to all those who would try to uh, try to tear you down, try to discourage you, know that th- there are an army of, of Americans out there who are peaceful and patriotic and loving, and they are inspired by the work you do in Congress, as am I. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Enjoy five good minutes with Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and my tough questions. Secretary Austin, why should American taxpayers fund lectures at the National Defense University that promote socialism as a strategy to combat China? It's, uh, it's the National Defense University is an academic insta- uh, uh, institution, and I don't know of any... Uh, of any such lecture, but well, that's uh, surprising yeah. because it was widely reported. The National Defense University had Thomas Piketty come, and this was the title of his lecture, responding to China: the case for global justice and democratic socialism. So now that you know that they did this, would you agree that embracing socialism is not an effective strategy to combat China? 
Well, I, I certainly don't uh, agree with embracing socialism. I so, think so. That uh, means I'm sorry. We're not going to do this. We're not going to let the guy say four words and still talk and then cut him off. Well, We're just not. I control the time, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, but you also have to be fair to the witnesses. No, but I got the answer I wanted. I have a follow-up. My, my follow-up question is, is: if if we don't embrace it, then I guess why did the National Defense University put out a statement? Again, this is funded by U.S. taxpayers saying in this talk, Mr. Piketty will argue that the right answer lies in ending Western arrogance and promoting a new emancipatory and egalitarian horizon on a global scale, a new form of democratic and participatory ecological and post-colonial socialism. So why would we invite people we don't agree with to evangelize views and values that we don't share at the National Defense University when we should be learning strategy about how to combat our enemies and make assessments that are accurate. And we do uh, uh, learn a lot about strategy and about, uh, about the military and about uh, joint force development. Uh, and so that is our focus in these, uh, uh, in these uh, institutions. I don't know what the, what the context of this particular uh, or content of this particular well, well, Mr. speech Se was, Mr. But, Secretary, so I, I've I shared with you the context. The context wasn't better understand socialism so we can defeat it. The context wasn't learn about it so that we can offer countermeasures. The concept was that it's time for socialism. And the reason I know that's the context is because the lecture was pulled from a book written by Thomas Piketty entitled Time for Socialism. And, and I just can't help but like notice. And so your you question been, was whether no, or not we... I control the time. Your, your question you guys was have been blowing a lot of calls socialism. lately on the matters of no. strategy, Mr. Secretary. You guys told us that Russia couldn't lose. You told us that the Taliban couldn't immediately win. And so I guess I'm wondering, what in the $773 billion that you're requesting today is going to help you make assessments that are accurate in the face of so many blown calls? You, you've, you've seen what's in our budget. You've seen how the budget matches the strategy. And so I'll let that speak for itself. Well, I mean, I've also seen that we're behind, Mr. Secretary. We're behind in hypersonics. We failed to deter Russia. Last year, so what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're behind in hypersonics? How, how do you, okay, how do you, who do you, who's ahead in hypersonics? How, how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you make that assessment? I don't know. How, is, may, is I make that assessment one? because is China is yielding hypersonic weapon systems and we are still developing them. Are I make that assessment because Russia actually used or development of By the way, your own people brief us that we are behind and that China is winning. Are you aware of the briefings we get on hypersonics? I am certainly aware of briefings that we provide to, to Congress. But it, it's not just the hypersonics. It's all over the world. It's in Taiwan, where China last year flew more sorties than ever before. It's North Korea on pace to shatter prior records, the number of missiles that they, that they are testing. And so while everyone else in the world seems to be developing capabilities and being more strategic, we got time to embrace critical race theory at West Point, to embrace socialism at the National Defense University, to do mandatory pronoun training. Do you it's, assess... You know, it's, it's, again, this is the most capable, the most combat-credible force in the world. It has been, and it will be so uh, going forward. Not if and we this continue down this path. To do that. Not if we embrace socialism. The, the fact that you're embarrassed by your by your country. By oh no no no! Country, I'm embarrassed by I'm, your leadership. I'm sorry for I am that. not embarrassed for my country. I wish it's we were not losing saying. to China. It's I what wish you're we saying. Were, you know what? The that's you know that is so th that is so disgraceful that you would sit here and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. You guys said that 
that Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done? And our allies have done. But that was baked into your flawed assessment. That was baked into your flawed assessment. And so I saw that the Obama administration tried to destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. I yield back. A big part of that dispute focuses on our military doing incredibly unserious things like critical race theory and pronoun training with genders and the socialism lecture embrace while missing out on things that are critical, that must happen, that we must get better at like hypersonics. So there was a big factual dispute there between me and the Secretary of Defense that we have to be able to unravel for the sake of the country and the decisions we make on the president's budget regarding our military. I mean, remember, these guys are asking for $773 billion in taxpayer money. So we should be getting better at the stuff that really matters, like hypersonics. Now, here's, here's the stone-cold truth that every member of the Armed Services Committee knows. They absolutely know it. The Secretary of Defense said things in response to my questions that directly contradict what his own people said to us in a briefing last month. Now, I would love to lay out for you in Technicolor exactly the capabilities in hypersonics that the Chinese have and the Russians have and that we have, and whether it comes to stockpiles, volumes, speeds, targeting, all of that. I know it. But I learned it in classified setting. And so to resolve these issues, to embrace transparency, to expose that the Secretary of Defense was either knowingly or unknowingly lying to the House Armed Services Committee, today I am sending a letter to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin demanding that he declassify the materials that were provided to House Armed Services Committee members regarding the hypersonics program at our classified briefing last month. If the Secretary of Defense is confident that he's right and that I'm wrong and the U.S. is ahead and China's behind, declassify those materials. They are very, very precise. They are very detailed and they tell a consistent story and that story was consistent until the Secretary of Defense showed up. And, and really, it, it has a grave impact on decisions we make regarding basing, regarding offensive and defensive systems, regarding how we think about nuclear deterrence, because hypersonic systems can deliver nuclear payloads. So I, I know of what I speak regarding hypersonics. I know it because of the briefings that the Department of Defense has provided to us and today, I'm calling on the Secretary of Defense to make the contents of that brief in terms of the materials provided to Congress unclassified. And then you know what? He will be exposed for the abject liar that he was in the Armed Services Committee. Now, you know that it's uh, quite the event in a committee hearing, quite an examination, when even the President of the United States has to weigh in and comment. Here's President Biden yesterday. You may have seen yesterday on television when the Secretary of Defense was being cross-examined by one of our, how can I say it, our congresspersons. 
saying, what have you done? And he basically looked at him and said, what the hell do you think we've done? Why do you think you're able to fight? We've trained them and we've given them the weapons. That's what's happening. Secretary Austin, when the adult president, when Sleepy Joe has to clean up for your mess, that's when you know it really didn't go well. I mean, this went so bad for the Biden administration, somebody had to actually bring this to Joe Biden and show it to him, right? Like, I don't get the sense that Joe Biden is like sitting around in the Oval Office watching like the back and forth questioning in hour number two of the Armed Services Committee hearing on the budget. If he is, <laughs> then there might be other things that he would need to be paying attention to. But nonetheless, someone brought this to Biden, they showed him that it was a disaster, and he wanted to go out there and defend his terrible pick for Secretary of Defense. And look, it's, it's no wonder Lloyd Austin is failing in a lot of these endeavors. Uh, he has had a lot of failures even before he was named Secretary of Defense, especially in Syria, where he was responsible for standing up a force to fight Assad to fight ISIS. And I think that like after spending around 100 million bucks, he had four or five fighters that were actually capable of surviving first contact with the enemy. So the Secretary of Defense, very misguided. The President of the United States trying to clean up for him. And like to the merits of Biden's point, these guys made an assessment that no matter what America did, that if we did the max of our capability, 36 days was the number. If we did the minimum, they were going to be overrun in six days. The assessment was six days to 36 days. And they totally blew that call. But what are you expecting? This is the same group of people who said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months, that there was no scenario after all the wargaming that they did, after the hundreds of billions of dollars that we send over the Potomac River to the Pentagon, that they didn't have one scenario in Afghanistan where the Taliban overran the government. And you know what? That's because they were buying their own bullshit when it came to the capabilities of the Afghan government. The reality was the Afghan government was a puppet government. It was corrupt. It didn't have the confidence of the people. And because like the U.S. was kind of part of that corruption by just pouring huge swaths of money over like barbarians and cave people, we didn't want to deal with our own culpability in that matter. And so we assessed that that government would hold and 13 uniformed service members are dead as a consequence of Joe Biden's bad decisions, of Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley's bad military advice. So let's hope we get to the bottom of it. I'm confident that if the Secretary of Defense actually declassifies this information, that I will be proven right. And maybe we will even inspire a bipartisan consensus in the Congress to do more to catch up, to be in a place in hypersonics where China doesn't hold a qualitative military edge over us for any reason. The live stream is on fire. I guess bringing in Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, really makes that happen. Andrea Fucus says that the whole Biden administration is a failure in response to my question of Secretary Austin. Uh, can't argue with that. Nathan Bryan, he, uh, he had a critical comment, said unwoke equals uneducated. Well, you know what? I, didn't trust, I don't trust people with two first names anyway. And if like woke is conflated with educated, that's probably a bad thing, too. I, I think I'm rather educated. I went to the great Florida State University, got a law degree from the College of William and Mary, America's first law school, by the way. Very proud graduate of that institution. And if anything, we should be doing a whole lot more to de-wokeify our education, not just at West Point, not just in the military, in every aspect of society. 
And if we do that, we'll be a better, stronger country. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure that you have your notifications turned on. That's how you're going to know when we go live. If you're expecting me on Steven Crowder's show today, Nancy Pelosi got in the way a little bit. Uh, she's having her own issues. We, we're breaking news. We just learned that Speaker Pelosi has COVID. We certainly wish her a rapid recovery. And you know what? If I have to bet on COVID or Nancy Pelosi, I'm probably betting on Nancy Pelosi. She is one tough cookie. Can't deny that. And I hope she feels better. And, uh, it, it, it is something. Weren't these the people who told us the vaccination, like, stopped transmission, stopped getting the virus? I think we've sort of deconstructed that myth. Like, it, it used to be that if you said that the vaccine didn't stop the virus, you were a conspiracy theorist and you got deplatformed from every major technology uh, entity. But now it's just an obvious fact. We say it and uh, we wish the speaker well. Next week, Congress is back uh, in the districts of this great country. So I'll be in Northwest Florida. So we may not have a show next week, but after that, we'll be live. We'll be back in the congressional office and we'll be offering you more of the Firebrand content that you seem to enjoy. Leave us a five-star rating or review if you're listening. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you'd like to see. It's been great. Hope to see you soon on another episode of Firebrand.